0: Are you ready to get into the Word? Luke chapter 15, please. Verse 3. So he spoke a parable to them saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? This parable was in response to the accusation that was made to him. Go back to verse 1. All the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. The crooks, the thieves, uh, all of them that were in that area. And the Pharisees and scribes, the good people, the religious folks, complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, This is in response to their accusation for him receiving sinners and spending time with them. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise... There would be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. They had accused him of spending time with ungodly folks. People you wouldn't want to let hold your wallet for you. People that maybe didn't smell very good. People that may not dress as modestly as they should. Who knows? Point is, they weren't godly folks. Christ spent time with them, and they accused him. if you're so spiritual, what are you doing hanging out with these bad people? And he said, hey, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, wouldn't you leave the ninety-nine and go after the one and bring it back? And you would have more joy over finding that one than in the ninety-nine that are still in the fold when you got to the house. I'd like to speak to you today, simple title, One. Can we all say one? One. Looking for the one. We know that God is awesome. He is mighty. Yet, He is one. The first commandment was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. God is one. He is awesome. He is the Lord of hosts. The word host means a large number. He's the Lord of Big numbers. Countless numbers of angels and saints. He's our Lord. And yet He's also the Lord of one. On the cross, He was one who paid the debt for all. And yet He paid the debt for one. I've heard it said and I believe it, that if He died for anyone, He died for you. Because of His love for mankind, He came and took the risk. Not being God, he knew all things. He knew the risk would be worth it. But he took the risk that maybe only one would take advantage of his sacrifice. And he did it anyway. He died for everyone. And yet he died for one. Tell your neighbor, you're the one. Everyone means you're the one. The most important number In the world of mathematics, I believe, is the number one. One is the loneliest number. Without one, you have no twos or threes or fours or millions. In fact, all the numbers are the amount of ones that you have. A billion, you have a billion ones. So one is very important, and we agree. In the Old Testament, God often looked for one. He looked for one man who had fallen into sin, Adam, came in the garden. He didn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you guys? He said, Adam, where are you? One man named Noah, out of all the people on the earth, one man found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He called one man and one woman, Abraham and Sarah, to leave their country and father and mother a new race and gave them one child, Isaac. They had another one, but that was not Sarah's child. God brought one young person, Joseph, from a prison to the palace to save the descendants of Abraham. There's power in one. He raised up one man, Moses, to lead his people to freedom. He was concerned at the million and a half children of Israel that were suffering in slavery. And yet he was concerned about one God being raised in Pharaoh's palace, a life of luxury. And I personally believe the Holy Spirit did not leave him alone where he could just enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But there was a call on his life. Now, he got kind of ahead of the calling when he was 40. There was a call on his life that he began to fulfill in his 80s. Because God relates to everyone, and yes, he relates to one. In the New Testament, Jesus' ministry often would impact one person. Beginning with his birth, one virgin, out of all the virgins in the world, one virgin was chosen, Mary, to be his mother. Jesus ministered to one woman at the well. One time in a debate with the Pharisees, he says, Why is it that during the days of famine when there were many widows in Israel, that God sent one prophet to one widow's house? He healed one crippled man. Here's the pool of Bethesda, surrounded by people needing healing. He goes to one and heals him. Why? Because everyone is important. Christ called one lawyer named Matthew to be his disciple. He visited one tax collector, Zacchaeus, who repented. Now here he is, surrounded by people, teaching and healing and working miracles And he looks up in the tree and sees a short guy named Zacchaeus. He said, come down. I'm coming to your house today. He didn't go to anybody else's house that day. He came to his house. You may be sitting here today feeling unimportant, feeling insignificant, but let me tell you, you're the one. You are significant. This word is for you. Jesus loves you, and he wants to come to your house today. The first Christians also often look for the one. In Acts 2, 3,000 people got saved. Hallelujah. 120 men were in the upper room. Glory to God for big numbers. But in chapter 3, one man was cured of lameness from birth. He'd been there 38 years. Jesus probably hadn't passed by him. The day came when he would be healed. In Acts 8, a large number of Samaritans were baptized. But by the end of the chapter, Philip evangelizes One Ethiopian on a chariot. Now let's talk about ripple effects. You know, you drop a rock into the water. One rock into the water. Many ripples. One woman at the well. Jesus ministers to. And a few years later, there's a huge crowd of people that became believers. I think maybe... It goes back to that seed Jesus sowed in her heart. That one woman that was shacking up, that had been married five times, Jesus loved her and spoke truth to her. Years later, the fruit was born in a whole city, pretty much. got baptized. And then Philip leaves there and sows another seed in the heart of a black man on his way back to Ethiopia. And a nation was impacted. The importance of one is so important. There may be one person in your life that if you'll reach out to them, not only will they come into the kingdom, but there could be a whole lot of other folks that could come in. Look at your own testimony if you're a believer today. Were you that one person? Or was your mama the one person? Or your dad the one person? Or your neighbor the one person that came to Christ who led You to Christ. The ripple effect is important. But it all goes back to the principle of one. In Acts 9, the Holy Spirit led Ananias to go to a house and pray for one man, Saul, who would become Paul and later would write the New Testament books. Aren't you glad that God values one? In Acts 10, Peter went to one Gentile's house to preach the gospel, and the whole household was filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I want to have a ministry. I want to have an 18-wheeler with tents. I'm called to reach the masses. What about the guy in the desk next door to you? Oh, that's not my calling. Oh, the Lord's calling me to Ethiopia. What about that guy at the gas station in Toler? In Acts 16, after an earthquake, Paul ministers to one jailer and his whole family got saved. The church was already in the making there. and Philippians is written to that church. It all goes back to Paul ministering to one woman named Lydia. One person here and one person there. And one and one and one and one and one makes two and you. What about us? Think of our own history and the principle of one. In the 80s, one man and one woman moved to one town and built one house where this one church was officially born in month number one, January of 91. Hey, i got to use humor to help drive the point home. During the 90s, some women at a Grandberry pizza place took one prayer request from one woman for one of her children resulting in her son's salvation as well as her own. How many love the Gomez family? And the ripple effect of that one bad boy coming to Christ has blessed many. One day, some members of GenRev went to the movies to watch Courageous. Afterwards, they met one young man. Austin Slatton, and invited him to come to one of our church meetings, and now he is here like so many others. Is he here? All right, there he is. The ripple effect's just beginning with him. Some of you were the one that got invited, and then others are the one, and this whole thing works with us. I know this is simple arithmetic, but I think there's a point here. What about you and me? What about us? One day you were the one. Do you remember? Who remembers the day? Maybe you knew the Lord and you had fallen away. And the Lord came after you. You were the sheep that had been in the fold and had gone astray. Maybe today or this week you're to reach out to one specific person who where will he or she be? Perhaps someone here this morning is the one. I know churches can get caught up in numbers. But just to say that doesn't communicate the fact that he cares about the one. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children. And yet he sent one boy home with 12 baskets full of bread and fish. He just cares about the one. He cares about you. It was a day in my life when I knew I was one of God's kids. I knew I was part of the gang. I knew I was going to heaven. But there was just something in my heart where I needed to know that he knew my address. I needed a, a personal touch. I just it's just where I was at, and I cried out to God. I said, God, do you know my address. I just couldn't shake this darkness that was trying to get a hold of me. And I picked up a book that a friend had given me months earlier entitled, Pardon Me, But Could You Spare Some Change? And I thought, Yeah, I need some change. Change my way of thinking. And this friend had written this book. This friend I saw somewhere. I had not seen him in decades. And there he was at this meeting. And he said, Hey, I just wrote a book. Let me give you a book. And I thought great. I really didn't want to read it when he gave it to me because I didn't think the guy ever liked me. So I'm reading this book about change. I'm about halfway through the book and I turn a page. I'm laying down on my bed and two $100 bills fall out of the book and hit my chest. Damn, I pick them up and began to weep. The timing couldn't have been more significant. That money had been there all along. That friend did care for me and the Lord kept it hidden from me until I was willing to change so that he could show... Me, that he knows my address. He'll show you, however he does it. It won't be just like he shows me or someone else. But he knows you. He cares about you. He's concerned about what's your concern. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you and me. In the world of computers, it's my understanding. Binary data is based on two things. On and off. Or ones and zeros. And depending on what switches are on, which ones are off, data is communicated that way. And it's reflected in our modern power switches. The one or the I is on and the zero or the O is off. Power of one is so important. What one thing is God calling you to do today? Do it. We were never called to be vegetables and do nothing. We are called to be people of action. People to do something significant in the eyes of God. I heard R.W. Schambach preach one time on the zero factor. And he began the sermon with a riddle. He said, answer this question. What is the one thing that is greater than God, meaner than the devil, and a lot of Christians are doing it. If they don't stop, they're going to go to hell. The answer is nothing. Nothing's greater than God. Nothing's meaner than the devil. And a lot of Christians are doing nothing. Turn on the power and do something. Do one thing. David says, one thing I ask, one thing I'll do, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He follows up that parable with this story. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? In primitive cultures there in the Middle East, women would wear a headdress, especially married women. It would have ten coins hanging from it around their forehead. You can still see things like this. A complete piece of jewelry had ten pieces of coin. If she lost one, it would be incomplete. And she would search until she found it. And sometimes it wasn't easy searching if they lived where there was a dirt floor. You ever lived on a dirt floor? Man, It's you sweep your house every day, but things can get lost in the dust. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying... Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. I have found the one thing that I was concerned. She'll be happier over that one than she will be over the nine that she already had. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. If you need to repent and you'll repent today, in heaven there's going to be a party. Yeah, cause you're just that important. Amen. Alright, I think I've got the point across. My mother raised me. She's an exhorter. And we would beg her for a spanking just so she'd stop the preaching. Get it over with! <laughs> Question, application time. Where is our lost ones? I just want to pause. I'm not stopping. Just going to pause and just breathe a prayer. Lord, show us where our lost ones are. And if we know, bring them to our remembrance and inspire us to do something for that one. But Lord, if we're clueless, put us on the lookout today to look for that one. Amen. Where's Waldo? He has a red and white striped shirt on. And a red and white striped winter cap and round black rim glasses. I couldn't find him, But I'd never seen one this big before. And if you look at this artwork, this guy started drawing these in the 80s. He's an amazing artist. There's a lot of ungodly things happening in there, so I'm going to change it. <laughs> this is Granberry. Out there is someone needing Someone to reach out to them so that they can find the one who wants to save them. We're looking for the one. Last Sunday we began an experiment. There's a radio broadcast that we're doing, an hour long radio broadcast from 10 till 11 every Sunday morning during church. Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you're about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team led by Pastor Shake Anderson with the Gent Praise Band and on special occasions, some great guest musicians. It's, it's, uh, so if you're running late to church, you can tune it in and feel like you're here. It's live worship, but it's live recorded worship from previous Sundays. It won't be these Sundays, so we're not on live right now because we want to have editing privileges. By saying Moses built the ark, I want the freedom of taking that out. You know, we're being watched close out there in the newspaper land. It's an experiment. We're going to do it for March, April, May to see if there's any results. But really down in my heart, the reason for it is there's somebody, maybe you don't listen to that radio station. Some of you don't listen to the radio. You've got your own custom-made radio thing where you can listen to your favorite artists all day long with Pandora and other means of communication. But some people still listen to that radio station. And just maybe they'll wake up and think about church or remember church. They'll turn on the radio and there'll be some lively folks praising and worshiping the Lord. Hearing you sing and give praise to His name and they'll be drawn in and maybe they'll stay tuned and listen to some word. Or maybe somebody's driving through town channel surfing on his AM radio. Do people still do that? I'm sure there are some that still do. Looking for the one. When we looked at the map of Granbury... Wondering where that one is. It seemed kind of daunting, didn't it? Where's that one? Oh, man. It's going to take a while to find that one person. But when we take it in bite-sized chunks, pressing might be easy to find that one. In April, for those who are willing and able, I would like to try something we've never done in the history of the church. And that is meet here every Saturday morning during the month of April at 9.30 for prayer and strategy and Go out into our neighborhoods, two by two, the poorer neighborhoods, and give them an invitation to our church if they don't have a church home, and a free gift, which would be a flashlight that goes on a keychain that'll last them for years. Just every time they're home in the dark and they need to find the keyhole in their door to their car or to their deal, they'll use that flashlight and they'll think about us. They'll think about the invitation they receive. So watch out for more information on that. I'm going to call April the month of invitation. Easter is in April. I want to see this place packed out. And You know what? Maybe the people we reach on a given Saturday won't show up the next morning, but the Lord will honor our efforts and send other people. And because we've made an effort of reaching out, we'll be more attentive to our guests. We'll be on the lookout. Statistics provided by Lifeway Research from 2009, they had 15,000 people fill out surveys. And from the result of that survey and other studies that they gleaned information from, this is what they found out. This is pretty fresh. Three years old. 82% of the unchurched are somewhat likely to attend church if invited. Open to the idea. 70% of unchurched people have never been invited to church. Oh, they maybe got something in the mail or something... On TV they saw or on the radio they heard. But no one has personally invited 70% of unchurched Americans to church. Only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. And 98% of churchgoers, I'm sure our statistics here are better, 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. Look at that. That's pretty heavy. 4% of formerly churched adults are actively looking for a church home. So people that have been in church, aren't going anymore, aren't looking. They're kind of locked into the cares of life. You know, the parable of the sower is so true. Stony ground, thorny ground, they're just being overwhelmed. They need somebody to reach out to them. 62% of former church members are not actively looking, but are open to the idea of attending services regularly again. 70% 70% said that email would be ineffective in getting them to visit. Spam isn't the way to go. Fact. More people would attend church if they were invited. It's that simple. Watch this. If you could look in the heart of an unchurched person, what would he say? Deep down in his heart. something like
1: this. It's going to be full. It's always full. And it'll be the same in your church, I promise. It'll be full. It'll be full of people like me. Full of people who haven't been to church in a while, full of people who think they might be critiqued or analyzed or judged unfairly, full of people who don't have God in their lives and aren't exactly sure how to get Him back. But you know what? Before I step in, I need you. I need you to do something that's probably a big deal for you. You're going to see me this week. And I need you not to walk past me. And I need you to work through your fear because I'm working through mine. And I just I just need you to invite me in. And if I act like I'm not interested in going to church with you, still I need you to ask me to come. I need you to help me see God. <laughs> Because look, at the end of the day, God said he loved me enough to die for me. I and mean, that is the claim, right? And if he died and he didn't stay dead, your church will be full this weekend. Your church could be full this weekend with people just like me. Different face, different skin color, different age, sex, or social status. But make no mistake, I could be sitting right next to you. I just need you to invite me in, that's all. Nothing more, nothing less. And nothing complicated. And nothing driven by guilt. Just invite me in. I need you to.
0: There's one lost sheep that needs to be found. May not want to be found, but needs to be found. For those who have children, have you ever had the experience of a child needing discipline? Not wanting it, but needing it really bad? People need us. To reach out to them and risk being rejected. Risk being persecuted. You know, we live in a free country. There's no fear of being thrown in jail for reaching out to someone. Now, you know, don't go to work on a megaphone and invite everybody while the company is open for business. You'll get yourself fired. But, you know, be, be tasteful about it. Because people need for us to reach out whether they know it or not and need it. Three responses to today's word. Number one, the radio program. It started rolling last week. Number two is the month of invitation. You'll be hearing more about that. Meeting here at the church during the month of April from 9.30 to 10. Then we go out from 10 to 2 and invite some folks to church and give them a practical gift. Now today's challenge. In your bulletin is an invitation to church. We have more. But you haven't had much sleep. We had to turn our clocks ahead, so I don't want to stretch anybody too far. But this week, could you invite one person to church? Who could do that? We made a lot of changes around here to try to be a place where you wouldn't be embarrassed to bring somebody. There was a time when maybe you'd be afraid. I don't know. So, we've done the hard work already. Just invite someone. It's an old song. goes like this. Let this be our prayer. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me and may I ever do my part to win that soul not hard I have one more video and then we'll wrap it up this is a video of a guy who thinks it's going to be hard to invite someone to church and he's imagining all these scenarios and he faced his fears
1: I should invite him to church I mean, what could happen? Go to church. I'm Jewish. (laughs) What are you saying? What's wrong with me? Yeah. Just yesterday, I was thinking I wanted to get up really early in the morning, go hear stories about old dead guys. Dude, let's do it. Let's knock it out. Yeah, totally. Let me check my calendar and make sure I'm clear for that. Dude, let's go to church. Let's party it up at church. What? What? I should invite him to church. I mean, what could happen? Hey, you want to check out church with me on Sunday? Cool.
0: <laughs> let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you, yes, you, His peace. And may He lead you to find that one, even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get them, Tigers. Amen.